Welcome to the Career Zone podcast, where each episode we spend some time focusing on something that's on students' minds right now. I'm your host, Rachel, employability and careers consultant with the University of Exeter. You can catch up on all of our episodes by doing all of those subscribing and following things. We're on Spotify and iTunes. Hi, Salson. Thank you so much for joining us today. I wondered whether we could just start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your sort of entrepreneurial journey. Thank you, Rachel. It's a pleasure to be here. I've gone through a particularly non-linear career path where I started out, you know, in the sciences, doing a PhD, postdocs, on track to becoming an academic for the rest of my life. And then decided to actually instead spend my life moving around the world, following my husband's career and literally making it up when I arrived at the, you know, the new location. I've been very lucky with a positive outlook and that entrepreneurial mindset that allows you to just act on your ideas. So while, you know, while becoming an entrepreneur in the sense of opening your business, et cetera, is, is most people's definition of, of what an entrepreneur would be. I feel that I've always had that entrepreneurial mindset, that that's what helped me, you know, leave positive impacts everywhere we've been under different types of hats. A lot of them have been in academia, and I'm very lucky that I'm still relevant to science and academic life. But equally, I'm quite grateful that I have been able to find fulfillment in doing things like the, the the facilitation, the innovation work that I have been involved with. So a bit about myself, really, yeah, started out as an academic, decided, well, actually, other people decided for me that I was too good a communicator to stay in the lab. And so I kept being pulled out of the lab to do various really exciting things. And it kind of took off from there, if that makes any sense. I realized that I was enjoying the leadership journey more than I was enjoying being in the lab, you know, desperately trying to make things work to get results. I arguably, I was, you know, I published good papers. I know I wasn't a bad scientist, but I was enjoying the leadership journey a lot more. It sounds like other people maybe spotted sort of skills and strengths that really complement that science background as well. So other people spotting a gap in, in that's the, it. In the that's it. It's a gap in the market. It's also a recognition of Talent, if you'll forgive my using the word, it sounds a bit immodest, but I think particularly science and academia in general, you know, we, we're, we're recognised for our individuality, for our contributions to, to, to thought processes and, and, and scientific discovery and all the rest of that, and that's fantastic. But we're not very good at talking about it. We're not very good at actually putting things in place to enable others to do the same. We're arguably not that good at collaboration, really and truly at the bottom of it. We, we you know we, there's a lot of, of work around scientific collaboration and, and how that could be improved. And I think what happened was when with me was my mentors recognized that I could do those things. I could do the leadership. I could do the engagement. I could do the collaboration. Uh, I could do the communication aspect of, of life in academia. And I think that was recognized as needed in, in a way that, that enabled me to just make that into my career. That sounds so interesting and sort of leads us really nicely onto thinking a little bit about sort of strengths and skills as entrepreneurs, because you've already started to pick out the, the skills that maybe highlighted you perhaps even before you started that entrepreneurial. 100%. Journey. How have they supported you sort of in your enterprise? 
Well, some people think that you're not born as entrepreneurs. I would tweak that a bit because I think that we are all as children, we have a confidence to us. I mean, I'm a Cub Scout leader at the moment and I'm absolutely loving that eight to 10 year old group and they inspire me. I don't know what they're learning from me, but they are certainly an inspiration to me. And it's that, you know, you give them a, a task, they just get on with it and they're enthusiastic, you know, and, and you can see them, you know, somebody's taking the lead and somebody's leading their group and, and, and there is actually entrepreneurship in us. And then I think sometimes some of us are perhaps given more of an opportunity to flesh that out and make something of it than others. And I think perhaps that I don't want to say everyone's born an entrepreneur, but but there is entrepreneurship in everyone until it gets bashed out of us through societal norms, if you like. That is actually what I believe. And so one of my businesses, Vault Entrepreneurs, is very much about retaining that entrepreneurial spirit that exists in all of us. And we tend to lose it as we go to school and conform and, you know, get begin to get scared of saying what we think, really, and begin to have all sorts of worries and anxieties about acting on our ideas. You know, young people, you know, the age of eight to ten, they have ideas. If they're given the opportunity to act on them, they act on them. And entrepreneurship at the end of the day, as Chalmers University tells us, is, you know, uh, creating something new that is of value to others through trial and error. Children do that all the time. And it's only when we get into adulthood that we have then learned to not be confident, to be worried about failure, to all that, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I think in terms of skills and strengths, I think they are latent in all of us. And we just have to have the courage the and people that empower us and mentors like I described what you know in my journey that say actually you're really good at this do more of it please you know anyone can do science but not everyone can talk about it <laughs> you know you can sit in the lab and and you know pipette into Eppendorf tubes all day if you like but you're going to be better off getting these 10 people to talk to each other about doing something grand because you know creating synergies between people enabling people to work together really facilitating and enabling and empowering that group effort to to emerge as something new between all of them was something I absolutely loved doing and it was it was a mentor that recognized it in me and allowed me to continue doing that by continually pulling me out of the lab and putting me in front of these kinds of projects and I think if that hadn't happened I I don't know, I might still have been in the lab, but maybe maybe I wouldn't anymore. Maybe I'd have gone and worked in a bank or something. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes we sort of have to work things out for ourselves as well, don't we? And I'm just thinking, um, so I'm, I'm a guide leader. Um, as I love seeing how young people will just go for something. That's like, it. I'll, I'll be like, oh, no, but what if? I'll give it a go. Yeah. Um, but it just makes me think a little bit about what you were saying sort of at the start where you were talking about that entrepreneurial mindset. And when you're talking about the Cubs, how they'll just give give it a go. That's um, it. Do you think that's is that what you're sort of talking about? Maybe getting squashed as we as we grow up, that entrepreneurial mindset that maybe we then have to find again as Yes, I think life. so. I think so. And it's about being given the opportunity and the confidence to carry on. 
really and I'm you know the the bottom line of it and and I I wasn't I was entrepreneurial as an intrapreneur within academic within the academic sector for most of my career and it's the actual you know structuring my own business and and or two and 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 running my own two businesses that's just come out over the last five years but until then I was very entrepreneurial but within that intrapreneurial setting you know within academia I was you know putting all sorts of new things in place and initiatives a lot of them I'm very humbled and grateful to say are still running you know years after I'd left those institutions and so it's really it's very cool to look back and know that I continued to have that entrepreneurial mindset that I didn't let barriers necessarily get in my way. And believe me, there was a lot, uh, um, you know, as as life is, you know, there, there was challenges along the way, but you don't let them stop you and you find your way above, below and around and you figure it out and, you, you know, you come out at the end and you're doing what you're doing. It sounds like you have to be so resilient to to be able to do that, like with all setbacks and barriers and navigating it and I suppose sometimes in in our minds entrepreneurialism can be quite a a solo endeavor like it's not necessarily the real nature of it but that's how it can can look from from the outside so I wonder if you might be able to talk a little bit about how as an entrepreneur risk-taking has sort of shaped your your journey and your decision making and and how you've stayed resilient when there have been Sort of barriers in in your way. Um, can I touch on the solo entrepreneur yes, first? Challenge me at um, any point as well. So I wrote a blog October first, twenty twenty, called "Who Works Alone These Days," and this blog basically busted three myths about people thinking that entrepreneurs are working on their own. Yes, I understand about being lonely because you're the one taking most of the decisions and you're the one doing everything at the beginning. But in fact, I don't know that I ever was alone. I don't know that I ever did anything alone because there was always mentors. I sought them out and I found them. I think some of us don't ask for help enough. And there are enough mentors out there. In fact, in Devon, the business support services of Devon are amazing. And there was any number of people who were happy to speak to me when I started and, you know, kind of course correct or put ideas or, you know, help me out. And so I didn't, I don't know that I felt alone, if that makes any sense. And I don't think that needed to be the case. And then the other myth is that it takes a special kind of person to be an entrepreneur. And all it takes is the courage to act on your ideas, as long as your idea is of value to others. And as long as you're happy to learn by trial and error, you're good, you know. And the third myth I busted in that article was that entrepreneurs never have imposter syndromes. Ha 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 ha. Yes, absolutely. There's imposter syndrome hanging on, you know, above us all the time, but we just don't pay any attention to it. And this is me and here we are, you know. So I I think that I, I a lot of people talk about entrepreneurship being a lonely journey. That's not really my experience of it. Not when there are so many mentors, so much support, so many avenues out there and the fact that you need a team. I didn't do anything on my own. I had a web designer and, and person who knew how to put a website together. Um, you know, I have my accountant who was able to tell me how to structure my bookkeeping stories, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so you're not alone. You have all the support around you. It's the decisions are sometimes, I guess, down to you. You have to take those decisions. Yeah, but again, 
I don't know that I like that connotation of it being a lonely journey. I, I, it's not. It, it doesn't have to be, right? Absolutely. And I think it's really important to, to challenge that. So I was from the outside, it's well, this person's doing this thing and you don't necessarily realise the network that is there and the questions they've had to ask of people and sort of like you say, accessing mentors, but also being challenged and being confident at being yeah. challenged in in your idea. Sounds yeah. like if, what what you're saying there and allowing someone to say, have you thought about maybe doing it a bit like this? It might be a bit easier. How might a student approach that, do you think? Like, because that's quite, it's quite scary, isn't it? Like, I have an idea and now I need to ask for help from someone that's more experienced than me. Set Squared student startup team that Emily Davis runs is amazing. I mean, they are a brilliant group and she herself is, is fantastic. I, I don't know all her team as well, but they're great. And, and they have, you know, in terms of student startups, they have a very good program that they run, but they're also quite open to just discussing uh, students' ideas as a mentorship uh, engagement rather than, yeah, you know, plop you into this whole incubator story. If a student doesn't necessarily want to do the whole incubator story, I'm sure that they have a lot of mentors around that they can point the student to. So actually being a student with an entrepreneurial mindset and an idea for a business at the University of Exeter today is a really good thing. And I'm not just saying that, it's true. <laughs> There's a lot of support and available around for, for that. So all, all the student has to do is gather up the courage to tell someone. And it sounds like as well, and sort of following iKeep and Set Squared and um, student startups, there's a lot of safe spaces to test ideas and sort yep. of take that risk in an environment where as a student, you do have a different sort of time. Time is different. And having that space where you've got people to give you a steer without judgment yeah um, exactly to, to help you on your on your journey and that um from what you've said it starts to feel like that that's the first place to ask the questions and get confident and comfortable asking those like what do I do next <laughs> what yeah happens yeah. next in the process yes absolutely that sort of just makes me think a little bit of the sorts of things we're talking about now um and the mentors that you've you've experienced what do you think is like maybe one of the most powerful questions that you've asked or the most powerful advice you've received um, every question I've asked yeah every question I've asked has had uh, a learning come back to me from so I don't know that there is a single question you know what which question would I tell my 24 year old <laughs> self to ask I think you know I think allow life to flow for you and allow your questions to emerge. The only silly questions is, is the one that you do not ask. And, and I'm a very hugely firm believer in that. So I don't know that there is a single question that informed everything. The question that I don't think is very helpful is what do you want to do? Because I think because of imposter syndrome or because of not really knowing where to go next, that question of you know, what do you want to do is is the scariest. And I would I, I hope I never I hope I always remember that and I hope I never ask it of anyone. <laughs> it's big, isn't it? It's a question. Like Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Huge. So so you can ask things like, you know, what makes you happy, what keeps you busy? In five years, in the, in an ideal world, who is buying your product? What are they doing with it? How are they interacting with it? All those questions that in design thinking you, you ask straight off at the very, very early on. 
And that will lead the budding entrepreneur, if you like, to kind of realize where they might be going and what they might want to be doing. But you don't just say, what do you want to do? I mean, I, I hate that question. I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> I still don't know what I want to do. I'm running two businesses and I still don't know what I want to do. <laughs> I'm loving every minute, but still. <laughs> I, I suppose it goes because it is such a big question. Does anyone know what well, they want exactly. to do? Like people are changing jobs so much more often now than sort of previous generations because we're testing ideas and exploring different opportunities and different avenues. So, what do you want to do? Something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> want to be happy? I want to yeah. achieve this goal, but that still doesn't answer the question. So, I really like that. It's a question not to ask. Not or, to ask. Yeah, well, it has to so. be rephrased if you're asked it. Yeah. Can we make that yeah. question a bit smaller, please? Yeah. It I sounds think. like you've learned so much through your journey and through people that you've interacted with and, and worked with. And just I can I feel the sort of resilience of your journey and what you're saying um, and that ability to bounce back and ask those questions and sort of recognise that you don't have all of the answers. There's such a, a power to that. Yeah, I'm going to jump in on the word answers. I'm glad you said answers with a with a plural, because I think one of the biggest mistakes and one of the biggest barriers to resilience is the fact that we are taught that there's only one correct answer. Yes. And you put that correct answer on a piece of paper and you get your grade and you move on to the next step of your life. And we spent, you know, 13 years in education learning that. But in fact, when we enter life, it's not like that. And there's never only one correct answer. Really, there's there's always options. And particularly in a field like biology, biology, you only have the right answer under those conditions, right? Physics is often the same as well. And yet we leave school having been, as I say, taught for 13 years that there's only one right answer and you get that answer and you move on to the next phase of your life. But life is not like that. And there's many different right answers. And in fact, usually the right answers are mixtures of four or five different correct answers you know bits you've tested and bits that you've had to say oh no not gonna not gonna test that bit again yeah I mean you learn as you go you learn your limits you learn your strengths um and and you move forward with what you have and I think that seeking the one true answer is is probably the one main barrier to resilience because it's not one there's infinite options Absolutely. And it, it takes you back to what we were talking about earlier, where we were talking about that the, the term that neither of us particularly like, soft skills. And you use maths as an example of, well, that's a hard skill, but actually enterprise is possibly more complicated. So do you want to share a little bit more around that? So in 2012, I began to get very involved in what the Americans, I was living in the States and I was getting very involved in what the Americans call team science, which is basically collaborative research right? Not just within science, but between science and every other discipline and between every other discipline and each other, but they still call it team science as a shortcut. And there they were talking about, oh yes, we need to, you know, we need to make sure that we are training our students in soft skills. And I, what, what are soft skills? So, oh, you know, communication, leadership, huh? Soft skills? <laughs> 
these are harder than maths. And I went around saying that very loudly. I, I really I don't hate many things, but I really hate the phrase soft skills when it comes to things like communication and leadership and entrepreneurship and, you know, acting on your ideas and developing something new. It, they're not soft skills. These are hard. These are really difficult. And for a lot of people, they are harder than maths, because at least in maths, again, to go back to the one right answer, you know that, you know, it's usually you can, you know, you get it at some point enough to be able to get on. Whereas something like those nuances of communication of now we're trying to get people that we have only just figured out how to get people to understand what emotional intelligence is and all of a sudden now we've jumped we've leapt you know light years into inclusivity and all the dimensions of being inclusive not you know we people thought they were safe with diversity because they thought okay gender done um, and then they thought okay well diverse ethnicities okay ethnicities done but actually inclusion now is enormous and we haven't even finished with emotional intelligence yet and now we're leaping ahead and we're still calling them soft skills um, just <laughs> and maths isn't ever going to make you feel uncomfortable is it like I've... oh i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well you're looking for the right answer aren't you you're looking for an answer whereas sort of communication skills you're possibly going to have to put yourself in an environment where your communication doesn't work as well right. as you would like and you have to sit with that and you have to work through it and that is but it's that emotional intelligence it's a much more internal process than perhaps working out you're going to see that I'm not I'm a social scientist <laughs> a standard deviation of something yeah um, it's it's quite different isn't it so I suppose just reflecting on on that then and that emotional intelligence and opportunities that that may present for for budding entrepreneurs or sort of thriving entrepreneurs as well. And how do you think emotional intelligence has shaped your journey? So I grew up in Beirut in Lebanon and in an intellectual family. My father was an anthropologist um, who worked on cultural questions. And I think perhaps without really realizing it, I absorbed a lot of these observant attributes mm. from him. Um, my mother's a mathematician, so already in my house, I had a social scientist and, an, and a mathematician. Already, in, you know, already I grew up in between that, you know, one plus one equals two, and well, you know, it depends what one plus one are, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, particularly with something like emotional intelligence, it's very hard to learn it. It's very hard to articulate exactly where and how you absorbed it or understood what it was doing with your journey. Yeah. I know that in today's world, it would be almost impossible for me to to have done everything I have done within all the different countries I've lived in, all the different groups I've worked with, if I hadn't had enough of an understanding of emotional intelligence, cultural intelligence, and the ability to merge that with my whatever it's worth IQ and have that whole package of the three things helping me move my ideas forward in an entrepreneurial way or in you know as an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur again it doesn't matter but i think i think having emotional intelligence is a very big deal thing to to know that you have and to be aware and again it could be that we all have some level of it at some but it's just 
recognizing, being self-aware enough to know when to use it, when to trust it. Absolutely. And it's that adaptability that comes with being like having that self-awareness and emotional intelligence that being able to move in different environments and and work yeah, work with different people. So I suppose just as we're maybe starting to come to to the end of our, our conversation, I would really love to to end this episode on maybe something you're super proud of, your achievement, or as an entrepreneur. So we can we can all go away thinking, oh yes. This question was asked of me in a different interview. And you know, yes, there are a lot of projects that I'm very grateful that have turned out the way they've turned out. There are many projects that I could say I'm proud of in some level or other. But again, it's not pride in myself. I'm proud of the project and and how the people that took these projects, you know, continued them on, etc. The thing I am most proud of in myself, what I consider my most challenging achievement is the fact that I have been able to juggle all of this, that I have been able to juggle tasks and responsibilities that allowed me to, you know, set up collaborative capacity. Well, the first thing I did when we moved back to England in 2016 from many years in the US is get a one or two day a week job at the University of Exeter because I do love science. I can't quite give it up. And I, I love being here in, in an academic environment, even if it's for one or one and a half days a week. And then I was able to set up collaborative capacities. Uh, we are innovation specialists and we facilitate conversations with diverse stakeholders. I am a professional facilitator. I'm accredited professional facilitator and I really, really love seeing those connections and synergies appear in, in a room full of people. And then I set up as you know a second business. Uh, so I have a third job, which is Vault Entrepreneurs, and we power entrepreneurship in young people. And at the moment, we have we are actually partnering with the Set Squared student startup team on a grant from Devon County Council to deliver this uh, at Petra College in North Devon, delivering it to, to young people who come from disadvantaged backgrounds. And that has been incredibly rewarding as well. So I think in terms of my achievement, I think I am the achievement I'm most proud of to date is the ability to juggle <laughs> tasks and responsibilities that have allowed me to do all of this and have a sensible family life with my husband and, and two young people at home on, of my own, you know, and be a Cub Scout leader and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know? And it all sounds so values led as well. I guess. It's 100 percent values led. I live for one purpose actually two, which is creating synergies and empowering the young. My life mission is to create synergies and empower the young. And everything I do from my teaching genetics at the University of Exeter, through Vault Entrepreneurs, powering entrepreneurship and young people, through all the stuff that I do at Collaborative Capacities and all the volunteering engagements that I bring on myself, it's, it's all about creating synergies and empowering the young. Idea. So what we'll do is we will link out to your profile and your your websites as well. So listeners can find out a bit more about what you've done and how you create those synergies. But thank you so much for, for joining me uh, for this episode. It's been amazing to hear about your journey. I'm feeling really inspired. <laughs> oh, I'm good. Sure our listeners will be too. <laughs> <laughs> good. Thank you. This was the Career Zone podcast brought to you by the University of Exeter Career Zone. Check out iTunes and Spotify to keep up with all of our regular releases.
And if you'd like us to cover something else in another episode, just send us a message, hashtag CareerZonePodcast at UOE Careers on Twitter or at UOE Career Zone or at UOE Cornwall Career Zone on Instagram. And we'll follow up in one of the next episodes.